Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Father. I really like your church. It's so light, and the, the wooden beams are, are amazing. And I really uh, like all the places you have to sit. You can sit up high, you can sit up front, you can sit way in the back. A lot of options here at St. Edward's. A woman in a coma was dying. And she seemed to be taken up to some type of judgment. And a voice said to her, who are you? And she replied, I'm the wife of the mayor. And the voice said, I didn't ask you whose wife you are, but who you are. I'm the mother of four children. I didn't ask you whose mother you are, but who you are. I'm a school teacher. I didn't ask you what your profession is, but who you are. And so it went. None of her answers seemed to satisfy the question, who are you? I'm a Christian. I didn't ask you what your religion is, but who are you? I'm the woman who went to church every day, and all the poor and the needy. I didn't ask you what you did, but who are you? Well, she didn't seem to pass this examination. She was returned to earth, and when she recovered, she was determined to find out who she was. And that made all the difference. Who are you? While you're mulling that over, I'll tell you about an interview of Boris Yeltsin, former president of the Soviet Union, quite a different person than the current president of Russia. And Boris Yeltsin was asked who inspired him to stand strong while the communist government collapsed around him. And he said he was inspired by Lech Walesa, the head of the Solidarity Movement in Poland, a former electrician who went on to become president. And Lech Walesa was interviewed and asked who inspired him to lead this Solidarity Movement against a powerful communist regime in Poland. And he said he was inspired by Martin Luther King Jr., the head of the Civil Rights Movement here in the U.S. And Martin Luther King Jr. was interviewed and asked who inspired him to help usher in this needed social reform in our country. And he said he was inspired by Rosa Parks, the woman who refused to move to the back of the bus. Is it too much of a stretch to think that a small woman from the South was responsible for the fall of communism? Rosa Parks knew who she was. Who are you? While you're thinking. I'll tell you about a hero of mine, a redemptorist priest from Belgium, Father Albert Lamotte. He had been a POW during World War II. He escaped. He was recaptured. He joined my redemptorist order after the war and spent over 60 years serving in the Caribbean. He just passed away some years back at 96 years young. And we were together on the island of Dominica and we were having a retreat given by the Bishop of Grenada. And the Bishop asked us on the first day to introduce ourselves, to tell everyone who we were. So most of us got up and we mumbled something like, my name is Kevin McDonald, I'm the assistant parish priest, not a lady of La Soie Parish. And it got around the room, and it got to this priest from Belgium. And I remember him standing up straight and squaring his shoulders and saying in a clear voice, my name is Albert Lamotte, and I'm a citizen of heaven. 
Father Lamotte knew who he was. Who are you? The Gospels that we hear every Sunday contain a question and a principle which underscores our entire Christian faith. And the question is the same one that Jesus asked his apostles. He asked, who do you say that I am? And of course, Peter answers, you're the Christ. But what did that term mean in Peter's imagination? What did it mean to the early Christians? What has it meant over the last 2,000 years? What does it mean to you? Catholic tradition has refined that answer over the centuries. And today we would say that Christ is the one in whom we find the fullness of divinity. Everything it means to say the Father is God, we can say about the Son, who is incarnate in Jesus. And we know that not only do we find full divinity, but we find full humanity. So that when we look to Jesus, we see one who is like us in everything except sin. So we would answer Jesus' question, who do you say that I am? We would say, you are the one who shows us that the fullness of divinity is to be found in a human being. And the fullness of humanity is to be glimpsed only when we see the reality of God. If you want to know what it means to say the word God, look at this person. Look at the life, death, and destiny of Jesus of Nazareth. And if you want to know what it means to be a human person, if you want to know who you are or who I am, at our very best, at our very fullest, look at this person. Look at the life, death, and destiny of Jesus of Nazareth. The fullness of God is found in the fullness of humanity, and vice versa. The fullness of humanity is to be found in the fullness of God. And what flows from that is the all-important principle that anything which helps us become more fully, perfectly, splendidly human is making us more like God. Whatever humanizes divinizes. Whatever makes us more human makes us more holy. And what flows from that is a lesson that our Lord tried to impart to his followers throughout his life, and it's simply this. If we hold on to our lives, if we grasp them and don't let them go, if we deny others free access, we will lose them. But if we hand them over, if we give them away, if we are willing to die, what we'll discover is that we can never, ever run out of life. If you hold on to it, you lose it. If you give it away, it becomes everlasting. Perhaps an illustration would be helpful. In Dante's, no, another story. French, the French playwright Jean Anouil wrote a play in which he had a whole bunch of people kind of pushing in front of the gates of heaven. They were impatient to get in because they were certain that they had reserved places inside. And then a rumor started to spread among them that God was going to forgive those other people too. And they were stunned. And they began to grumble, oh, after all the work it took to get here. 
And then they grew angry and began to curse God. And at that instant, they were damned. That was the final judgment. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I'm sure the dishonest judge in Jesus' parable in the gospel today would come to know that what unites us with God is our humanity. That thanks to the incarnation, you and I and God have one thing in common. We are all human. So therefore, if we wish to be like God, we need to be more human. And the way to be more human is to help others to be more human. And the way to do that is to give ourselves away. My experience in leading these parish missions, and most of my work has been in the Southern Caribbean in places like Trinidad and Tobago, St. Lucia, Dominica, St. Vincent, the Grenadine Islands, the Virgin Islands. I mean, how lucky am I? is that God seems to wait for certain times in our church year to move in powerful ways. Now, I'm not limiting God to certain days or seasons, but it does ring true. For example, the Christmas season is a time of the year where charity seems to overflow. And certainly the Easter season is another, the pinnacle of our church year. But I'd like to add to that list a parish mission week not because of any pearls of wisdom that you'll hear, but rather because of all the prayers, all the sacrifices that have been made at St. Edward's throughout the year, allows God to do some amazing things during a parish mission week. If you're doubting, put it to the test. Perhaps you've been praying for something or someone, and there's been little or no movement in answer to those prayers. Bring that petition to the parish mission. Begins tomorrow. Our evening service starts at 7 and you'll be walking to your homes or to your cars by eight. So it's not a huge outlay of time, but God can do a lot in a small amount of time. And these first two nights, Monday and Tuesday evening, are services. And I'd like to stress that because we all know people who have drifted away from the church over the years, and sometimes inviting them to come back to a mass is a little bit overwhelming. But a service is different. We can try different things. One night, the church will be in darkness. We'll all be holding lighted candles. So hopefully, you'll find it interesting. And consider taking the risk of inviting someone to come along with you. They don't have to be Catholic. You could say something like, hey, there's a priest talking tonight at St. Edward's. He has a funny Boston accent. Why don't you come with me and give him a listen? You never know. Sometimes it's the smallest invitation on our part that allows God to change someone's life. We will be closing with a Mass on Wednesday at 6 p.m. So consider yourselves invited. God does want to move in a powerful way in our lives. All we need to do is show up.